Hi everyone, my name's Tom Langan, and this is Something Good, the bite-sized podcast about anything and everything good, for goodness sake. Welcome to episode 22. Today, we're talking about training plans. This was weighing on my mind because I actually just got an email yesterday afternoon, evening, um, letting me know that the Ironman race I'd signed up for, Ironman Montreblanc, on August 23rd in Montreblanc, Quebec, Canada, has been canceled. They weren't really clear in the email. Apparently, the province of Quebec has a moratorium on all large gatherings until uh, at least August 31st of this year. And that's eight days after the race is scheduled for. So obviously the race doesn't fall um, falls before that moratorium is lifted. However, they weren't sure if they're it seemed to me from the email anyway, that they weren't sure Iron Man wasn't sure if they're going to just postpone the race or if they're going to cancel the race. So I don't really know what's happening yet. Um, but I'm on a training plan for this Ironman race. And so I decided yesterday afternoon after I got that email that I was going to stick to my training plan because I think training plans are good. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that today, explain to you why I think training plans are good, even if you don't have a race coming up. So. As usual, first, let's talk about what I mean by a training plan. Well, a training plan can be um, can be a lot of different things. They can be very complicated. They can be multifaceted. They can be interdisciplinary. They can have um, cross-training uh, programs included in them. They can uh, be single sport focused. I mean, there's lots of different varieties of training plans, training methodologies that you can use for different kinds of races. Um, I've only used a few, so I'll just talk about the kinds of training plans that I've used in the past and the one I'm using now. Um, but basically, a training plan is is very conceptually is very straightforward. It is essentially a plan of exercises or workouts to do in a structured way leading up to a race or an event to attempt to maximize your potential performance at that race or event. So they can last depending on the duration of the race. They can last anywhere from, you know, six weeks for like a 5K training plan can be four to six weeks um, all the way out to um, almost uh, six months. Like an Ironman training plan um, can often be around or close to six months in length. Um, the training plan that I'm using, although I started it a few weeks late, um, the training plan that I'm using is actually the full plan is 23 weeks long. So it's just three weeks short of a six month training cycle. So why is that a good thing? Why is it a good thing to follow a structured program when you're trying to get in shape for a race? Well, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons. Um, and so I think we'll start with 
one of the basics for me why training plans are good for someone like me. And it's because I tend to function better when I have like a quote unquote deadline, when I have something on the calendar that I have committed to doing, I perform well. If the calendar is wide open and I don't have something I've committed to do, like a scheduled workout for a training plan, I tend to be a little bit aimless. Um, And this is true in my work life, too. I find that I work better with a deadline than with an open-ended schedule. It's just me and my personality. Not everybody works the same. But I think most people work better with a structure. Um, And so I think training plans can do a good job of giving you a structure and a framework on which to build success for a race or just for your fitness in general. So that's one way that I think um, that the training plans tend to work for me. Um, getting into a little bit more of the nitty gritty of a training plan, a lot of training plans, there's a lot of different sort of catchwords and phrases and things you'll hear when people talk about training plans. The ones that I tend to gravitate towards and the ones that I've found work really well for me are what are sort of follow a sort of um, 80 20 training philosophy. And what that training philosophy is, is that you need to, especially for endurance races, like an Ironman is obviously an endurance event. Triathlon is an endurance sport. Generally, even short form triathlon is uh, an endurance event. Uh, for most people. So the training plans uh, reflect that. And when you're training for an endurance event, you actually, um, what what professional athletes have found uh, and their coaches have found is that um, you need to spend most of your training time. So about 80%. So the vast majority, not even like just a little bit more But the vast majority of your time training, 80% of the time that you spend training for uh, an endurance sport like Ironman triathlon or half Ironman triathlon uh, or marathons um, should be spent at a low effort. So if you think of breaking up sort of like one of the ways that I do it is I is I use heart rate monitors, right, which is not foolproof there are more accurate ways to do it but i'm not a professional athlete and so i don't require um you know the the sort of extra data that you know maybe a professional or even a a very competitive um age group athlete would to to try to really hone in on power zones and things like that but for me i use my heart rate as a guide to let me know how hard i'm working And if I'm working too hard or if I'm working hard enough or if I need to work harder. And so what I'll do is most of my training time, if you think of your heart rate um, where I believe and and I would encourage everyone to kind of look this up. um, If you do a test to figure out sort of what your max heart rate is, I mean, a ballpark is you can take your age and subtract the number 40 from it. Um, But I would encourage everyone who's curious about this to to try to figure out what their max heart rate is. Um, And there's tons of calculators online. Just 
just Google search it and you'll find a bunch of resources for how to calculate your max heart rate. But try to figure out what your max heart rate is. Um, and I believe that um, uh, your maximum, like your 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 highest heart rate zone or your zone five or your threshold zone is about 85% of your max heart rate and up um, to your max heart rate. And then it kind of goes down from there. So like I work out following a training program that basically splits my heart rate into five zones. So I have on the low end, I have zones one and two, which are basically the levels of effort where, and for me, you know, my max heart rate is around 184. So for me, my zones will just go based on like my running zones. Okay. Cause I know those off the top of my head. So for, for zone, uh, for zone one, my running heart rate zone for zone one is around 119 beats a minute to about 134 beats a minute. That's zone one. Then zone two is about 134 to 149 ish, 135 to 149 ish beats a minute. Zone three is about 149, 150 beats a minute to about 161 beats a minute, something like that. Uh, zone four is about 161 to about 168 or 69, I think. And then zone five is that sort of 169, 170-ish up to um, 184. So those are kind of generally, basically, those are like my heart rate zones for running. So what I do is most of my workouts, most of my running, uh, and the same is true for cycling, the, the, the heart rate values in the zones are a little bit different, but the zones are the same, so they're interchangeable for me. Um, and the same thing for swimming also for triathlon. But most of the time in any of those three disciplines within triathlon, I spend most of my time training in zones one and two. 80% of my time is spent in zones one and two. And to give you an idea, zone one and zone two, when I'm out running, like for example, Becky and I will still run together because we obviously live together and we don't have to social distance from each other because we live together and we can't social distance from each other and we don't want to. Um, that would just be super awkward. Um, we uh, will go for runs together. And when we're running in zone one and zone two, um, at that kind of level of effort, we can have a conversation. So we'll go for a run and we'll talk, um, you know, not nonstop the entire time, but we'll talk for a good portion of the run. We'll talk. Um, so if we're running for an hour at zone one and zone two, we'll talk for a good portion of it. And we can talk for the whole, pretty much the whole thing. Um, so that's a good way to gauge that you're kind of in zone one and zone two. If you don't have a heart rate monitor, a good way to gauge that you're kind of at that level of effort um, is uh, is is whether or not you can talk comfortably, whether or not you can finish a sentence without having to having to take a breath. Um, and then, you know, you spend about 20 percent of your time. Um, in zones four and five, and you spend very little time, only a couple, couple of percent, like probably maybe, maybe tops four or 5% of your time is ever really spent in about zone three. Um, zone three is 
if you go based on feeling zone three in your heart rate zones is about where you kind of start to feel like you're working. Um, and it, and that's the sort of trap that a lot of people fall into. And this is one of the big reasons why I think training plans are so good. Um, is if you go out on your own and you're training for an event, you want to feel like you're working. You want to feel like you're accomplishing something. You want to feel like you're getting fitter. And the problem is that in order to feel that way, you're going to end up spending a fair amount of time in zone three. And zone three is not where you want to be when you're exercising. It is the sort of zone that will give you the least amount of return for your investment. So you can spend a lot of time in zone three. And what you'll end up doing is not gaining very much fitness and probably overtraining. So training plans for me are really good because they kind of help keep me honest about that and reassure me that it's okay to not feel like I'm working too hard most of the time. The benefit you're getting when you're spending all that time in zones one and two, especially for an endurance sport like triathlon or like uh, marathoning, is you're building your aerobic engine. So that's that time that you're spending in zones one and two is where you're really building your aerobic fitness. And your aerobic fitness is crucial to performing well in any endurance sport. So you really need to spend time building that engine, building that power plant so that you have the ability to go the distance when you do get to uh, participate in an event. Zones four and five is where you build power and speed. So you're you spend a little bit of time up in zones four and five. But a lot of that, what you're really doing is teaching your muscles how to fire and creating the neural pathways you'll need when you need to unleash that power, when you need to unleash that speed on race day, you'll have the ability to do it because you've built the neural pathways or basically the muscle memory. Your body will know what it feels like and that it can go faster and that it can perform at a higher level. Um, but you don't need to spend a ton of time there to accomplish that. And so you only spend about 20% of your time um, up in those zones. And so you don't the big benefit from my perspective is you don't overtrain. And that's a trap that a lot of people, especially for endurance sports, and that's kind of like what I'm most familiar with when it comes to training plans. So that's really what I'm speaking to. That's the big trap that a lot of people fall into is that they overtrain. They train till they feel like they're working hard. They want to really feel like they're they're sweating, they're putting in the effort, they're you know, busting their hump to try to get those results. And if you do that too many days in a row without enough recovery time, you will end up underperforming and you'll actually end up having a negative effect on your fitness. You will actually lose fitness because you've trained too hard and your body hasn't had adequate time to recover. So it's it's important to not fall into that trap. And I am one of those people that if I'm not following a training plan, if I am left to my own devices, I would definitely spend a lot of time in zone three. And I wouldn't get faster and I wouldn't perform well. Um, and, you know, for me, that's that's part of the fun of it is kind of seeing what I can do. Um, 
you know, I, I used to smoke. I, um, have had two knee surgeries. I was completely not athletic, um, basically from high school until I was in my thirties, in my mid thirties. Um, and so for me, it's really fun, um, at my age now to, uh, to be able to, to try to see what I can do, to see what I can kind of squeeze out of, um, squeeze out of myself and, and, you know, what I can accomplish if I put in the work, but putting in the work means putting it in, uh, intelligently being smart about how I work towards that goal and not just going out and running a lot, riding a lot and swimming a lot and hoping for the best on race day. Um, so I think the long and the short of it is that I'm sticking to my training plan. Um, I'm sticking to it, even though I know that the race that I was training for is not going to happen when I expect it to happen. Because I know I function better when I'm on a training plan. I know I achieve more things when I'm on a training plan. And I know I feel good when I'm on a training plan. Um, And so, yeah, so I'm going to keep using it. The last thing I'll say about training plans, and one of the reasons why I really think people should use them, um, is really because um, it can function essentially as a coach for you. Like a lot of us as age group athletes, um, as amateur athletes, you know, either don't either don't have the time or the money to be able to hire a coach, right? Coaches can be expensive. So, and that's a big investment to undertake. So if you don't have the ability to hire a coach or you're not interested in hiring a coach, a good training plan can be a surrogate for a coach. Um, it won't be as custom tailored, obviously. It won't be specific to you. But it will give you a plan to follow the same way a coach would. Um, And it will give you a way to at least hold yourself accountable um, the way a coach would hold you accountable to complete your workouts, to follow your training. Um, And the last thing I'll say is um, training plans work because a lot of them are developed by people who work as professional coaches. Um, And these are people that train the elite athletes in a bunch of different disciplines, the people that compete on the world stage professionally themselves, some of them. And if they know how to either get someone else to achieve um, at the pinnacle of success in their given sport, whether it's running or triathlon, um, if they know how to get those kinds of performance results out of a professional athlete, then they probably have a good idea what they're doing and it makes sense to trust their training plan. Um, So yeah, so I think it's a good thing because it can help you achieve a better result from a race or a challenge than you ever thought possible. Lastly, I just want to talk about, uh, you know, everybody... Um, Becky has had a marathon get canceled. My race is now, uh, canceled or postponed. I'm not sure which, um, everybody we know who is, uh, you know, either a runner or triathlete, um, has had events get canceled, uh, that they were going to participate in this year. There are a lot of virtual events going on. I would encourage people to look into those. 
uh, to consider participating in a virtual marathon, in a virtual half marathon, in a virtual 5K, um, in a virtual, uh, you know, uh, cycling race. Um, maybe even this summer in a virtual triathlon, I'll have to see um, what the options are. Right now, I can't even swim because there aren't any pools open and it's not warm enough outside to swim outside yet. So I don't, uh, I don't know exactly what the future holds, but I would encourage everyone to look into that, consider participating in a virtual race. And if you're on a training plan for a race that has been canceled, I say stick to it because at the end of the day, the worst case scenario is you get in better shape. And that doesn't seem like a bad thing to me. In fact, I would argue that's something good. That's all I have to say today about training plans. Thank you very much for listening to me. I really appreciate it. You can find the podcast uh, anywhere you find your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc. Um, please follow, listen, like, share, rate us on iTunes. That apparently helps. And um, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, I would love to hear them. Please reach out to us on social media. You can find something good um, on social media just by searching at some good pod. I hope everybody's doing well, continues to do well and sticks to their training plans. That's all for today. This is something good. The bite sized podcast about anything and everything good for goodness sake. Talk to you soon.